Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, good morning, Horizon. Good to see you guys. Let's welcome those watching Lodi and online. Give them a hand for joining us today. They're spread out everywhere. Let me give you a, a quick uh, in-house update. You know, Jared, our Lodi campus will be leaving at the end of July. He's moving up to Washington. And we've been in process of finding someone to fill that spot. And it's been a, it's been a great process. I mean, this news kind of hit me right before I left on vacation. Not kind of what you want to hear before you leave on vacation. Uh, but it was, it's been just a nice time to kind of see where we want to be in Lodi, what's going on in Lodi, and uh, God's been at work. So be praying as we work through this process and uh, get Lodi campus the right person for the, for the job. And so we're excited about what, how God is moving. So this morning we are part two of a lot of parts. I'm not even going to tell you how many parts. Uh, we're just going to work through this. And uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed Second Timothy. And there's a poem I want to start off with that some of you have heard. It's very famous. It's been in so many movies I can't even count. Matter of fact, the movie was named after it. It's written by a British poet, William Ernest Henley. And it goes like this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I think whatever God may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced or cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody, my but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Quoted by Winston Churchill, 1941, House of Commons. Quoted by Nelson Mandela from the prison being in South Africa. James Stockdale, uh, prisoner of war in Vietnam, as they said these last lines to each other to encourage each other. Matter of fact, Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, that was his final statement before he died. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And part of that kind of rings true. I mean, we are in control of many things. We decide many things. But ultimately, as we look at Paul writing to Timothy, Paul's encouragement to Timothy is a different angle. He would probably say this, Timothy, let the Spirit of God work through you to carry out God's purposes in God's way, on God's time, and for God's glory. Jesus Christ is the master of my faith, and the Holy Spirit is truly the captain of my soul. That is where Paul is just constantly going to. That who is the master? Who is in control? 
And will I allow myself to fall into that and allow him to do that? Last week we talked about this whole book is basically hold on, guard it, hold it high, guard it well, and pass it on. And that is where Paul will constantly take Timothy. Now understand, Timothy's been with Paul for 20 years. Paul loves Timothy. This is a personal letter that we get to intercept. Think about a letter that you've written to a friend that all of a sudden years down the road is being shared with other people. Uh, There's no intent, hey, make sure you get this to the other churches. This was to Timothy, a very personal letter. And the last week he was talking about gifts, that gifts are not automatic, that if you don't fan the flame, Timothy, do not be timid, but fan the flame that's in you, that God gives us gifts. But God wants to use us, we said, but he's not dependent upon us. That he's given each one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, a gift that he wants you to use for his kingdom and to his glory. But if you choose to sit back and not do it, he's not going to say, oh, well, I guess it'll never get done. My kingdom plan is forwarded. No, he'll find somebody else. But he wants to use us in the process. And he empowers us with resources. We talked about he gives us the power of God. He fills our heart with the love of God. He gives us the the discipline to do the things that he's called us to do. So he gives us these resources. And so after saying that, this is what Paul says to Timothy. We're just going to cover five verses here. 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 12. So if you have your Bibles or smartphone devices, you can turn there. It says this. So... Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know who I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Paul is telling Timothy to strengthen his resolve. I mean, when he starts here to Timothy, don't be ashamed because Timothy was timid. I mean, he spent 20 years with him, so he knows the personality of Timothy. He knows that what has taken place in the world at this time, the pressure of being a follower of Jesus Christ was coming on. That's why he says, so do not be ashamed. This word so is like, because of everything I said before, because Don't be timid, fan the flames. God's resource with power, love, and discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Now, the way this is set up in the Greek, it's not that he has been ashamed and Paul is calling him to account. Timothy hasn't done that yet. But when we read in the rest of 2 Timothy, we'll see so many people who have failed Paul who deserted Paul. And so he has seen people be ashamed of God. He's seen people be ashamed of him being a prisoner, not want to identify with him. And so here's Timothy, his beloved son. He says, 
Timothy, do not be ashamed. Because at that time, 66 AD, you know, Nero had burned down Rome in 64 AD. The Christians were to cause, were said to be a blame. And so it was going to cost you to be a believer of Christ. There's going to be persecution. There was going to be imprisonment. There's going to be death. And because Timothy kind of leaned into that timid side, that fearful side, Paul's trying to encourage him because shame, shame is the companion of fear. They're best of buds. That when I'm afraid, it's easy to slip into shame as well. But when he says here, and this is, of all the words that are in here, this, this I went to bed just thinking about this last night. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But I love this. But join with me. Paul's been deserted. Paul has, people have left, everyone's left him but Luke. And he's looking to Timothy, join me. I'm thinking of all the times, and even as I pondered this last night, of all the times I've been asked to join something. I've been asked to join sports and stuff and all the time of thing, but when I've been asked to join something uh, that is huge, monumental, there's always a relationship involved in that. I still remember when Bob Lehman, the guy who discipled me my sophomore year in college, when he said, join me in the ministry, Tim. I want you to join me. I want you to become a campus pastor. I still had two and a half years of college to go through. That never left my mind. Because it was passion. There was a part of that. There was based on a relationship. Tim joined me in this. And I can just see Paul say, Timothy, join me. But what he says to join him with, this choice, because it's his choice whether to join or not. It's your choice whether to join or not. It's my choice whether to join or not. When he's saying join me, he says join me in suffering. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, I'll join you on a sports team or maybe a job or what. Join you in suffering? Because I don't know about you, but I'll do just about anything to avoid suffering and pain, right? I mean, I'll, right now my back is still tweaked out. Every step hurts. And I'm, we've tried everything. I'm, Justin's home, he was using this thing on my back just punching me and oh and it felt good here wow I mean then Gwen's rubbing hot oil stuff on my back nice nice and warm and I'm taking pills I'm doing whatever I mean I haven't done the sitting on a tennis shoe yet somebody said hey, sit on a tennis shoe that'll work does it have to be a used tennis shoe does it have to be a, anyway there are so many different options here I don't like pain even though I'm in it a lot, I've learned to deal with it. I'll do anything to avoid it. And here's Paul telling Timothy, Timothy, join me in suffering. And he's saying this from prison. It's not like me telling you, guys, join me in suffering because you're going to suffer. How are we suffering? There's nothing. Paul, on ready to die, is telling him to join him. And if you get anything from today, don't miss this. You can't live a life committed to Jesus without paying a price. Let me say that again. 
You can't live a life committed to Jesus without paying a price. You can know about Jesus. You can know of Jesus. But I promise you, if you're going to live a committed life to Jesus, there is going to be a price to pay. I promise you that. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's, that's a hard sell in this world of wanting the easy believism and just, you know, yeah, you come to God and he just makes all the path clear and every stone taken away. You'll have no problems. You'll be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Not my Bible. Later on, Timothy says, Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone, how many people? Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, not might be, not could be, maybe a little tickle here, a per- will be persecuted. So let's flip that around. Therefore, if I'm not being persecuted... Am I living a godly life? Jesus promised that. Jesus promised trouble. John 16, 33, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world, but you will have trouble. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In me you will have peace. In this world you're going to have trouble. I love this quote, Samuel Rutherford. If you were not strangers here, the hounds of of the world would not bark at you. Think about that for a minute. If there wasn't something different about you, dogs wouldn't be barking. We're called to be different. We are called to be unique. We're called to a, a different life. We're called to a holy life. And there's part of this where Paul's saying, join me in this. Yes, there's suffering. Yes, there's pain. Yes, it can be brutal. But it is worth it. That's why Jesus says, yeah, about always counting the cost. And we're going to go to this passage in your notes, little notes, but Luke 14, it talks about counting the cost. A kingdom doesn't go out to war unless he counts the cost. You don't start a building unless you count the cost because what he is asking us is immense. And you can't live this life committed to Jesus without paying a price along the way. It's not possible. So are you willing to join him in this? Because he gives us the power, he says. He gives us the power. Said that last week, said this, this passage too. By the power of God, by the power of God, by the love of God, by the, by the discipline that he gives us, we can do this. And Paul says to Timothy, join me. And he gives a reason why in verse 9. Who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done. Not because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. I love that. Saved and called. Yes, he saved us from our sin. Yes, he gave us the grace of God. Yes, there's forgiveness there. But he just didn't save you so you can be to heaven. Go to heaven. He saved you and called you at the same time. He saved you from something and called you to something. 
And all this is, he says, is there's a purpose. There's a, uh, to live a holy life. Holy being distinct, being different than everybody else. We were meant to blend. We're meant to because of how we live, how we talk, how we say, how we love our spouses, how we take care of our kids, how we work at our job. There's something unique about us as opposed to someone who's not been saved and not been called. Holiness means to be that what has taken place inside my heart is also what's taking place outside my body. Holiness. Now, you can try to live a holy life on your own, but it's hard. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of old, said this. A man shall carry a bucket of water on his head and be very tired with the burden But that same man, when he dives into the sea, shall have a thousand buckets on his head without perceiving their weight. Because he is in the the element, and it entirely surrounds him. The duties of holiness are very irksome to men who are not in the element of holiness. But once these men are cast into the element of grace, then they bear ten times more and feel no weight but a refresh thereby with joy unspeakable. I love that picture. Because if you're trying to be holy on your own, man, that weight, you'll never, it'll be burdensome. You're just not going to be able to do it. But when you dive in the ocean of grace, he says, and you're surrounded by it, then living this holy life is not burdensome. Matter of fact, you can do much more than you ever thought or conceived you could do. Again, verse 9, he says, for his own purpose. There was a plan. I mean, of all the things that I probably talk about, that I zero in on, matter of fact, I shot a text to a a person that I met down in Mexico yesterday. It was a long text. I haven't heard back from him, so it'll be interesting. But we talked about purpose, and I I told him in the text that it's, I don't believe in coincidence that we met. And I want to give you an offer. It's not going to cost you anything. Just talking about hooking up with him online, on FaceTime, and just talking about the things of God. Because there's a purpose. There's an eternal plan of all this. And it's by grace. This, because of his own purpose. His own grace. And what I love about this, it says, the grace was given to us by Christ Jesus. There's nothing you bring to the game, guys. You can't be holy enough. You can't be good enough. There's nothing you bring other than your heart to say, I'm here, because he's done it all. It's by his grace and his purpose. But this grace was given through Christ before the beginning of time. I love that. I don't know if you've seen this picture from the, from the James Webb telescope. It's been online. You got that picture back there, guys? I love this picture. This is the first picture for James Webb. Now, there's some of this where I first thought, this is kind of Photoshop because it's like that looks like that looks like that looks like that. But that's just one section. And they're saying that all those galaxies are 13 billion light years away. How they figure that out, I have not a clue. Or, you know, just point a light to it. Okay, it took, they're saying, it took 13 billion years for that to reach my eye, to get to James Webb to take a picture. 13 billion years. And if you look, 
way past there. They're little bitty dots. Those are all galaxies too. But before all that was, he had a plan. Before man ever stepped in the Garden of Eden, he had a plan. There was a purpose. Grace was going to be extended. And before the beginning of time, he had a plan for each one of you. If that don't make you special, if that shouldn't sit back and go, wait a minute. You're telling me, Tim, that God's looked all, I mean, before I even was a thought to my mom and dad that God had a plan for me? Yeah, I do believe that. You're telling me that the grace of God was there for me and the gifts that he wanted and even the tasks that he wanted me to do? Exactly. Before a star was put in place. That's why Paul says, join me, guys, because the God of grace, the God who not only saved you and called you, the God who has a purpose and plan from the very beginning of time is asking you to join him. Verse 10 says, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. Abolish death means because of Christ's death and resurrection, he basically took the teeth out. He took the power from death. Now, it doesn't mean we're not going to die. I did a funeral on Friday. Death is going to, unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to face that fact someday, that reality. It's not the death itself where this body shuts down is taken away. It's eternal separation from God that's been taken away. Last night I didn't tell my wife this. We were, dri- we were driving in my dream. And in the dream, we're looking at maps and the fog and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, we're off a cliff, flipped up, upside down, just falling. And I mean falling like we were dropped from a jet plane falling. I mean, it must have been a real high mountain. And I, I mean, I woke up abruptly from this dream. I mean, I don't know if you have had dreams where you're dying, but I know we're going to die. But the thing was, I can still see it as we're upside down, and she was driving. I'm not going to let her drive this week. I'm just going to tell you. It's cute. <laughs> I grabbed her hand, and I just said, well, we're having bad now. And I woke up. I mean, dramatically woke up. Had a hard time. Wow, okay. I don't know if I want to go back to see how that ends up, you know, type dream. But I'm telling you, it wasn't a panic. There wasn't screaming. There was a peace. Because why? Guys, deep in my heart, I know death has been destroyed. Death has no power over me. I know where I'm going. I know where the next vision of my eyes will be when these eyes shut. No doubt in my mind. Because of what Jesus did on a cross and rose from the grave. He conquered. He destroyed. I love that word. Destroyed death. And not only that, the part that and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So not only, yeah, he destroyed death, which I get eternal life someday, but he gives me the ability to live life now. 
Guys, we as followers of Jesus Christ should be the most peaceful, should be the most joyful, because why? Not only do I get heaven someday, but he's given me the power to live life to its fullest right now. That that should be this drawing card. That that's the light that people should be drawn to of what is different, what is unique about us because we joined him. And because of that, I know death has been destroyed. It has no power over me. It's because of the grace of God. Guys, you cannot do enough to save yourself. You cannot live obedient enough to please God. And you, can't, you cannot even be in, imperfect in your obedience because that is not going to please God. The only thing that pleases God is when I give my life and accept what he has given me on the cross, that he has given me the power to believe in him that my sins have been forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross, and I am banking on that. And that's what Paul says here, 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 12. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for this day. Yes, I'm not, I'm not ashamed, he says. Romans 1.16, he says that same thing. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Gets the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes First for the Jew and then for the Gentile, for all of us. How can I be ashamed of that? I'm a prisoner, but I'm not a prisoner of Nero. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And the reason I have no shame, he gives that, because I know whom I have believed. It's a person he's believed in, not a doctrine. In whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard. This word no means with certainty. Tim, I, you know, there's sometimes I have doubts. Guys, there's always going to be doubts. But then when doubt, if, if and when doubt comes, it's what I do with those doubts. Where am I placing that? Is that am I placing that on, you know, some faith thing I had in a church with a bunch of people that I, I saw people believing in God or I saw my parents believing in God that I'm banking on their faith for this? You can't. You got to bank on your own faith, your own experience, your own experience with God. Parents with little kids, I'm going to tell you, there's a time where your kids, then they're going to receive Christ. They love Jesus. I, little Hazel May came home this last week. I said, you like, did you like kids camp? Yes. And she said, I love Jesus. Okay, she's five years old. It, do you think she's going to have to have another experience along the way? Yeah. And right now she's living off her parents' faith, her grandparents, her uncles, her aunts. I mean, that's where she's seen that. But someday she's going to have to choose to believe in the one in whom there's this whom carries, there's this personal relationship with God. It's not knowing about God. It's knowing him personally. And that's why he's convinced that he is able to guard. This word guard is a, is a pure military term 
where a soldier is standing guard, willing to lay his life down to protect that which he's guarding. And Paul's saying, I'm convinced that he, he's got a guard set up. He's guarding what I've entrusted to him. That's almost like a, a banking term where you're taking your deposit and you go to the bank and you're trusting that state, that farmers or whatever bank you use, is, it's going to be there when you need it. You're entrusting it to them. I'm entrusting my salvation for that day. I mean, that's where I'm choosing to push all in. It's not a, it's not a I hope so. It's, it's either this or done. I, that, there is no other option. And Paul says, I'm convinced that he is able to guard that. He's able to guard me body and soul. First Thessalonians 5.23, he says that, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. John MacArthur said it this way, his confidence, Paul's confidence, did not come from a creed or a theological system or a denomination or an ordination. It came slow, solely from a close, unbroken relationship with God to whom he unreservedly gave his life, going about his divine mission with no concern for his own welfare, safety, or life. He was convinced. He believed what Jesus said. John 10, 28, 29. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Why? He can be trusted. It's secure. It's guarded. On that day, salvation is yours, not based on anything you have done, not based on who you are, your deeds. It's based on what Jesus has done and your choice to believe. Because when you did, you were saved and called to a purpose and to a grace that was established before the beginning of time. Charles Swindoll, when kind of writing, this is what Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy, shore up your life anchored by his sovereign grace, period. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't end with you. It isn't about you. You're merely a link in the chain of God's plan. As it works, it's way out. It's not for your health and wealth, happiness and safety, or for your glory or your power or your significance. Before God created time and space and before he placed humanity within a pristine creation, he established his plan based on the grace alone, accomplished by Christ alone, to be received through faith alone. And we have the astonishing privilege of communicating it to the rest of the world, to humanity. And that's what he's given you. To join him, he says, he's, he's saved and called you to announce that, to live a holy life, because that'll be a, a beacon that there's something unique about you. And Paul's saying, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner. Because this I know and that I'm thoroughly convinced of the one whom I believed in. 
I'm convinced that he can guard what I've entrusted to him. And he'll keep that ready until the day I'm before him. I wrote down some things. So how do we do that? How do we know whom you've believed in? Guys, it's called intimacy with God, and that only comes through time. That comes through prayer time. That comes through in God's word time. It means setting a priority. The only way you're going to get to know God is to spend time with him. And I, that's the part of this. It's just the God that created that picture of all those galaxies, 13 billion light years away, chooses to want to hang out with me. How he can hang out with me and you at the same time, I have not a clue. I ain't that smart. But I believe what his word says. That when I open the Bible and begin to read, he's there. When I pray and talk to him, he's there. He hears. And the more I read, the more I take through, guys, it's through consistency over and over again. And I want to encourage you, well, Tim, you're a pastor, you're supposed to do all that. Guys, I have my time in the Word that's not for you, it's just for me. It's not that I can't, wow, I, I can, that be a good sermon someday. It's not that that stuff doesn't happen. But I'm reading this for me. Not for, so I can preach a sermon. Second thing I wrote down is trust and believe that he is all powerful to guard the investment you have entrusted to him. That's a fact of faith. That when everything starts coming down and all things start happening, whether it's suffering, whether it's stress, whether it's turmoil, whatever it is, I have to bank, I'm banking on, I'm trusting, and I'm choosing to believe that he's got this. That I know the next thing I see when my eyes close on this earth is Jesus himself. Because he promised to take me home. I can see my mom, my dad, my friends. Not, not, no, I'll see them eventually. But Jesus promised to take me home. And you. And lastly, I said, patiently and actively wait for that day. Paul is saying, join me in this, Timothy, because he knew Timothy had the choice not to. Just as you have the choice not to. You have the choice not to join with God of what he's doing. In this community, the community where you live, the neighborhood where you live, the job where you live. Join him. He's at work. He's doing things right now. He's just looking for people to trust and engage and to take the power, take the love, take the discipline, take the resources that he had and begin to say, God, you called me. You not only saved me, you called me. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. And you have planted in things in me that I can be used for the kingdom of God. Help me see that today. Not tomorrow, because you might be gone tomorrow. Uh, I will say until the day I die, he got, he got you here, got you dressed, got a breath in you, so he ain't done with you yet. There's something. There's something God has called you to still do. That's why you're still upright. My job is to find out why. What it is. Hebrews 6.10, me end with this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help his people and continue to help him. 
the love you have shown him as you help, as you take the gifts that God has given you to work in his kingdom. He remembers those things. So hold it high and guard it well and pass it on. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I pray um, there's so many needs represented in this room and that are online that things that people couldn't share with anybody but they can share with you. Worries and concerns, heartaches and pains. Father, I thank you that you are a God who sees, who cares, who listens, whom we can believe in, who we can entrust with our body, our soul, our spirit. And being all that we have is right now and today, I pray that we make that choice to join you in that. To trust. To believe. And to live this life out that you've called us to live. Not just waiting on heaven, but making a difference here by your power, by your love and your discipline. We pray this in Jesus' name.